Hello, you're listening to Life Chat, a podcast produced by Illinois Right to Life. My name is Dr. Steve Jacobs. I'm the program director at Illinois Right to Life, and today I'm here with Serena Dykeson. Serena, first off, I want to thank you for being here today. Uh, I've, I've seen you speak, as, as I had mentioned, and I've watched a lot of your uh, videos and podcasts, and uh, it's an honor to be talking mm-hmm. to you today. And I was hoping you can start off by introducing yourself to our audience. Yes, thank you so much for having me. First off, I have to apologize for my voice. <laughs> There's like seasonal stuff going, so I apologize for that. Um, so I am Serena Dykeson. I am the founder of She Found Us Grace um, Ministries. And um, just a little bit about me. I've been married for 27 years. Um, um, my story is that I was sexually assaulted at 13 and taken for an abortion. And um, I just kind of walked through a really dark area of my life because of that and kind of um, people look at my story as like the exception to abortion and really it was not anything that helped us in the healing process um through that I uh being taken for an abortion I was taken to George Clawford who hoarded uh 27 um 2411 babies in his garage and so um that's how my story just came about and um, now I travel the country and I just talk about, um, how we're helping w- women heal and find their voice in the pro-life movement. Oh, that's wonderful. And that's such important work. I've looked up, yeah, your ministry and, uh, just so many people that are, are dealing with this. And if anything, like you said, they're told that this is an exceptional case that they shouldn't feel like, uh, it's even a form of abortion I've heard. So, um, if you wouldn't mind, if we could, uh, take a step back. So, uh, would you say that you had, what would you say is one of your first or earliest memories of either the pro-life movement or, or abortion? Uh, if we could go way back. <laughs> oh my goodness. So the crazy thing about my story, I would say, is that I was so naive. I just didn't even realize. Yeah. Um, you know, it took me until I was 16 to realize what abortion was. Really? Even after the abortion at 13. Wow. Just didn't even realize what that was. Um, my family, they never talked about that. So that was not on our radar. That was not talked about in our family. Um, so 16 was when, um, I, when we went to Planned Parenthood and they tried to, uh, tell me to abort my daughter. Um, I knew then that was something that I, I would not do. So we actually chose life at 16 in the parking lot of Planned Parenthood, even though they said, you're young, you're poor, and you're in school. Mm. And um, my my now husband, um, he didn't know my story at that time. And so he asked, um, so what do you think about abortion? And he grew up in the church, um, but they didn't ever talk about abortion. Yeah. And so when I told him my story, he just looked at me and he said, I don't know how we'll figure it out, but we'll figure it out. And wow. so... We just had a lot of support to help us um, raise our daughter. Um, And so, yeah, so 16 was really when I kind of made, um, knew that what abortion was. Um, I did not get involved uh, with the pro-life movement until pretty much right before my story broke. (laughs) Is that right? Yeah, so it was kind of this prepping period Mm -hmm. preparing me for what I was going to do. But honestly, I hadn't, yeah, it was never on my radar. 
I mean, what a story that here you were 13 years old and you experienced an abortion, but you really, because unfortunately there isn't really a informed consent model the, that Planned Parenthood and other abortion clinics should be using to make sure that the patient understands what's about to take place. Mm -hmm. And here it took you three years after the abortion procedure for you to really have an understanding of what was going on, what did it mean, right. and especially when it's not taught in the schools. Right. Right. Really, it's a question of how would a person know about it? Right. And the only thing they would know is the messaging. Right, right. So for us, um, when I went to the abortion clinic, they separated me from my parents. So I was taken really? back to a room by myself as a 13-year-old who had been assaulted. And the only thing they told me was that it was a clump of cells. I had no idea. I was so uneducated. Yeah. So I thought I was at a doctor's office. I thought that they were gonna help us. And so I really did not, I had no clue. Oh, um, at 13 years old, I mean. Right, and even my parents, I remember them saying, the people outside the clinic hate you, walk in quickly. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, I just remember my mom's response of like, they don't know what we're going through. And and so as a sidewalk counselor, when I'm in front of the, the clinic, I always keep her in mind of, a, a person that needs help yeah. and how I represent myself out there really matters because I know if someone would have been yelling at her, she would have went right booking into the, to the, um, clinic. Wow. But unfortunately there was no one there that day. So I'm a huge advocate for people going out to the clinic and being peaceful and offering resources in a loving way. Yeah, and I'm so excited to talk about your ministry. And it's just, if you wouldn't mind, it, it strikes me as so interesting that the only people there that day to empower you weren't those inside of the abortion clinic, but those outside. And they were demonized because really it wasn't about empowering you or you figuring out what you wanted to do. But it sounds like your parents were dead set on you having the abortion. So mm -hmm. they wanted to minimize any threat to that. Is that right? Well, I would say for, for my parents, as I've looked back, um, for my mom, she had, had um, trauma in her past. Aww. And so this like set her off to her own trauma. And so we went to yeah. a, our doctor's office and she was really looking for help. And that was the only help that was offered mm. to our family. Um, so I think if someone would have come alongside of her and said, hey, let's walk through this process yeah. of really the healing process, that our story would have looked different. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And I mean, even even hearkening back to your husband, your you know, then boyfriend, there he was as the only man to empower you. Yeah. And we see that that's such an issue that young women, they, they need somebody to be a support in this trying and uncertain time in their life, especially when they're younger. And it, it shows how many men abdicate their, their role, their responsibility. And if they just, and I, I know enough men, I know enough women that especially if you already have that kind of connection that you're in that personal relationship mm -hmm. and a man looks in the eyes of a woman and tells her mm -hmm. we will figure it out and gives that kind of certainty i mean look at it that's probably the thing that ended up saving your daughter's life and now she's mm -hmm. happy and healthy and she is she's 27 she oh. has two little kids she's oh. great <laughs> so yeah and it really you know he just 
I was looking for him to say, you know what, we'll figure this out. And, and I hear so many young women say, he just told me to get rid of the baby. And what I tell them is um, that relationship's not going to last. Yeah, It's not. Even with us um, choosing life, we still had a lot of healing to do. Oh, of and, course. And so um, with the people who go through the abortion, we see their marriages fall apart. Yeah. We, we see relationships fall apart. And so um, it's so important that people understand that. Right. And um, just yesterday I had a talk with a young man who um, told his girlfriend to abort their baby. And um, he was literally in tears as he told me his story. He's like, what was I thinking? I wasn't thinking at the time that, you know, 15 years down the road, this would be the thing that's just keeping me captive. And so men need to realize that as well. Yeah. And I, I mean, my heart goes out to the men who are, are sold a, a certain, you know, false bill of goods. They're told that they have no right to have an opinion on this, that they're, they have to, you know, quote unquote, respect the decision of the woman. And I've noticed that it almost follows along a script. I've heard so many young men uh, describe, basically put it this way, and it almost feels like I could see the punctuation in the sentence for them. Like, it's built in the pauses. I don't think I, as a man, have a right to tell a woman what to do. They're just repeating a script. And what I really like about what your your husband did and uh, or your then-boyfriend and um, what I'd like to share with our audience is the notion that he didn't have the answers. He did all he had was a willingness to find them. Right. So Absolutely. for for those who are listening, it's it's not just about, you know, you have to have it all figured out, figured out. And if you have somebody in your life who's in that uncertain time, it has nothing to do with the solutions. It just has to do with that will to move forward. And if, if I mean, how, how look at how how important that was. Just that one piece of assurance. That's just it. And yeah. and we tell the girls that we talk to there's plenty of times in your life you're not going to have it figured out. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> More often than not, <laughs> right? to say the least. Yeah. Right? And so <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. And, and um, you know, I think for them, it's just that fear factor. And it's like, you know what? It's, it's, it's going to be okay. And so, so many women that we talk to um, were able to, if we can figure out what their pain point is or their fear and offer a solution for that, They'll say, okay, that's what I needed to hear. Yeah. And they're fine and they're ready to go. So I'm so excited to hear more about how this has informed your ministry because, mm -hmm. I mean, talk about being on both sides of the end. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and Serena, thank you again for that uh, introduction. Next, we will discuss the work you do with your ministry. But first, to our listeners, I want to thank you for your support of our podcast. If you have any feedback on our program, or would like to recommend future guests to be on the show, please let us know by emailing us at info at IllinoisRightToLife.org. So now I'd, I'd love to hear about the, the genesis of the ministry. What, what brought you from, let's say, um, a more pro-lifer in waiting, helping people when you can versus dedicating your life to it like you have, Serena? Yes. Yeah, so we have, uh, she found this grace abortion recovery and we help women find healing after an abortion Amen. so that they can find their healed voice and really walk in what they're called to do. And so that has been so beautiful because there's so many women who are just silent. They feel like, 
I don't deserve to have a voice. Like, I I did this, and it's so bad. And they sit in silence. Um, they're struggling with drug addiction. They are. They have failed marriages. They're being put in mental institutions. Um, there's so many things happening with these women. And um, we've been able to walk globally with women around the world um, to help them find freedom in their abortion and find their voice. And it's been so fun to see these ladies be able to either go into crisis pregnancy centers or they are walking alongside of us to help other women or um, whatever they're, they've been called to do. I have a couple that are um, looking to write books and I'm just so proud of them. So proud That's of them. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Do you find that many actually want to pay it forward and they become more involved than just somebody who, you know, is there for the healing? So Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So these ladies are just like, you know, we didn't know how to share our story because so often they're either, um, there's a couple camps here. So either um, you have the pro-choice side that just tells them that you're fine and they know they're not fine. Yeah. Or sometimes in the pro-life movement, there's a couple pockets that just plow over them. Uh, and um, so we actually help them prepare for that. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> because um, they just get turned sideways because they, they think, oh, I went through this healing and I found my voice. I want to abolish abortion. Right. And then what happens is you have this group that's like, no, you'll never be forgiven. You'll never like you don't belong here, and we've really, at, mm-hmm. and so we've wow. actually I find that all the time, and so we actually have women who have tried to end their lives over this, and so I've just figured that I'm gonna just teach them out the gate of this is common and this is how we battle it. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I wonder whether or not that's just a, a distortion of the pro-life message, just people who feel such anger about what's going on with abortion that they're misdirecting it. They're directing it towards the victims. You know, really. well, and I tell our ladies, um, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And so they probably have child loss in their background. And so they cannot wrap their minds around why would someone purposely end their child in the life of their child. And so I help my girls understand that so that they can have compassion and show grace in that. And given given your work, I mean, I think you could attest to this better than most, how many women actually were trying to end their child's life, that they understood it as that? I mean, that would you say that's commonplace or rare? Oh my goodness. So for us, um, the ladies that we see typically, um, they come from sexual assault, they come from traffic, being trafficked. Um, they, um, the, f- the few that we have that were just like, I'm going for an abortion, just so regret that um, decision. Some of them, their, their spouses were not um, supportive and um, there was abuse in the background. So, you know, these ladies, they come from so many different stories. And I think until you actually hear their story, it's really... You need to hear their stories before you like write them off. Right. And I I think this probably part of the problem with social media that we see the most extreme voices 
they act as the representations, right? So we see shout your abortion, salute your abortion. We see these videos of people on TikTok, which is a social media platform, uh, filming themselves in a Planned Parenthood dancing and celebrating. And then we see that and we somehow assume that that's commonplace when really these are the most extreme and that's why we're seeing them because social media just prizes the extreme. So that's not at all your experience. (laughs) And in those cases, you said it was... No, no. And actually, even those ladies that are celebrating, um, when I go to the abortion clinic, I know that the escorts, they are post-abortive. I know that's part of their story. And, you know, they've just put on this fake front They don't even realize how wounded they really are. And so even when I go out to the clinic, my goal is always to reach their hearts, try to bridge that friendship, because at the end of the day, I want them to know that if they ever decide, like, man, my life is a mess, I want them to know where they can go for help. And I think that's super important because sometimes I see that as well, that it's easy to put our frustration on the workers and the um escorts and and don't get me wrong i get frustrated as well totally frustrated but at the end of the day they're humans too they are and they can have a conversion story and doggone it if i can be part of that i want to (laughs) even better right (laughs) that's that's even more impressive um yeah as as a pro-lifer i mean i just like to think back to the fact that we were all once those innocent sweet children Does that mean that everything we do is right? No, you know, but is it the case that we can actually have grace and compassion and sorrow for the people who started off as that sweet, innocent life, but they had either the experiences or the the education or miseducation that causes them to, I mean, really it's just confused motivations. They they think that being caring is abortion care as they put it. They, they don't understand that the no. true form of caring is empowering somebody to be able to make the choice they actually want to make, right. not an uninformed choice right. based on financial interest, which seems right. to be right. at least part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would agree with that 100%. And with your with your experiences, so do you spend a lot of time outside of the clinics to this day? Do you help people uh, to stand outside in front of clinics themselves? I'd love to hear more about that. <laughs> Yeah, so for us, um, I used to go out quite a bit, and then um, everything's kind of shifted for me personally. But um, if I can help ladies that have had abortions in their past be able to go out, um, I want to help them do that. So really for us right now, we're in the thick of a lot of classes and traveling and speaking. Um, We just finished up a 10-week class, um, and the ladies are transitioning to phase two of our um, what we do because we we figured out that 10 weeks was not enough um, or even a weekend retreat is not enough to really get into what these ladies need and so we we've um, developed a whole nother program and it's so awesome I'm so excited that's great and can you tell us about the program because mm-hmm. there might be some listeners who who would avail themselves of that <laughs> option or yeah. uh, could recommend it to others so there's an initial 10-week program do I right. have you right Yep, so we take them through a 10-week program where they actually walk through um, the forgiveness of an abortion, and we want them to to get freedom from that, and then also mourning the loss of their child. So we walk through that, 
And then the next phase of our program is um, turning that pain into a purpose. And so then they walk through, yep, I walked through this part. Now how am I going to use that to help others? And so um, the ladies get so excited about that phase two. Um, they walk into phase one nervous, not knowing what to expect. And um, what they what they told us uh, and what they tell us is like, this makes it real for us. Like we felt like we were never allowed to mourn the loss of our children. And now we've been given permission to mourn the loss of our children. So interesting. And, you know, um, I've heard it from more cynical people that that's, that's pain that you should just not address. (laughs) Just don't worry about it. Don't focus on it. Don't think about the loss. Just let uh, sleeping dogs lie, so to speak. Now, do you, do you see this in your conversations with these women? Do they find that that pain expresses itself in different ways that it's almost like something was gnawing at their mind and they couldn't put a finger on it? Is yeah, so does that one, re- resonate? Right. So one of our ladies actually, um, she was put in a mental institution. She was told she had multiple personalities. Um, she was pretty much just wrote off as like insane. And so she just became a cutter. She became, um, she thought that there was like something was permanently wrong with her. And um, as she walked through the process, she was like, I, I have freedom now. Like all these people put all these labels on me, but the root was an abortion. And, and she was sexually assaulted. So you have, you know, you think, oh, the sexual assault is the worst. It's not that abortion is the the thing that keeps them um, just so um, lost in their their hurt and their pain because in your mind you're thinking I ended a life like um, to think about that and you carry that weight that's pretty heavy and so um, for our ladies to be able to to walk through that process and and really unpack it and realize you know what. Here I've been either numbing pain with drugs and alcohol, um, running. Oh, my goodness, they're runners. (laughs) Always trying to find something to fill that pain. Mm. Um, And then just realizing, like, this was my problem all along. And to uh, to be able to unpack that and have freedom is just absolutely beautiful. And I can only imagine the degree of healing that they feel. And this one woman, is she just a completely different person now? Oh, my goodness, yes. (laughs) If you could have seen uh, Serena's expression, it was very evident. She's telling the truth. (laughs) Oh, my word. So their faces, like to see them when they first start to the ending process, they're like new people. Like you wouldn't even recognize them. Um, Their whole facial expressions change. Mm. And... It's just so beautiful to to see that. In fact, um, Sunday night at 7 o'clock on our um, She Found His Grace uh, Facebook page, one of the ladies is actually going to share her story. So I think if you want to listen, you should join us. <laughs> so we could provide a link for that, but this was Saturday evening at 7 o'clock? Sunday. Today? Oh, Sunday evening at 7 mm-hmm. o'clock, and this will be somebody characterizing their 10-week experience with yep. you? in your organization yeah oh very yeah very cool yeah um yeah i i think there's something interesting going on about 
and I've, I've heard this often. I want to hear your, your uh, impressions of this. What are your thoughts when people say this? Because this feels like a common saying that I hear in the pro-life movement when it comes to uh, abortions related to rape, mm-hmm. that it's as if they feel bad about the rape because it happened to them, obviously, and it's, it's a devastating experience, but that there's something different about the abortion because there they feel like there's an active role. Now, whether they were they were forced to, like in your case, but it almost feels like this is something now I'm doing that's bad. And yeah. that there are many women who actually feel worse about their, their abortion than the assault or rape. Is, does that That's absolutely does that ring correct. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, we all say that the abortion is worse than the rape. Wow. Um, because you're ending the life of, of somebody. Right. And, you know, we can't help what happened to us but we are making a choice to yeah. end the life. And, and um, you know, we really need just help processing what happened to us yeah. and having a safe place to really understand that and um, have someone walk alongside our trauma and yeah. help us with the healing. And we all say the same thing. And and how multifaceted this is. There There is, you know, especially in the, the more uh, difficult cases, there's trauma from the assault. There's trauma from being forced to do something you don't want to do. That's not a good thing, no matter what it is, let alone an abortion, a life-changing abortion. Then it's the abortion. Then it's feeling like you're missing out on this child when you're raising your children, when yeah. you eventually have children. Is that... Oh, my goodness. Is that yeah. So, yeah, so all of us all say that we struggle with feeling uh, worthy to be a mother. And so that is something that we all talk about, that it's just um, even being worthy enough to be a wife. And that was part of my story. Mm. And really, uh, at a certain point in my life, uh, walking out on my family because I was like, I'm not worthy enough to be part of their lives. And really, in that moment of um, God meeting me in my brokenness, um, that was for me, um, you know, I was just partying every weekend mm. um i was drinking all the time yeah and uh just one night where where i just got to the end of myself and god seeing me in all my brokenness and still saying you know what i was waiting for you to stop running yeah and just um i knew that i needed to go home both spiritually and physically and and god wrote a beautiful redemption story for us and um, just sharing that with the ladies that there's hope. Yeah. They need to hear that hope because they feel like there's no hope. There's no freedom. There's no forgiveness. Um, and we hear that all the time. I was going to say, what a gift you were given. Uh, now, first off, this is tremendous work you're doing. They're obviously the recipients because they're becoming healthy and healed after the 10 weeks. But what a gift that you've been given to be able to witness that. Yeah. To to find, you know, to find how he worked straight through those crooked lines that we lay. Yeah. And what what a notion that you you've been able to turn that pain into something that's so positive, so enriching for yourself. Um, I did want to ask just briefly because I wanted to make sure I recalled this correctly. Was was it clear for you that night when you were told to come home, both spiritually and physically? Was it clear that that was connected to to your pain related to abortion, or did that come later? <laughs> that came later. That so, came later. So it was so crazy. So I went home, and God began restoring my marriage, and I started going to counseling. And the counselor I went to actually attended my church, 
And I thought if I tell him that I had an abortion in my past, he would go back and tell people in my church. And I thought there's no way. So I never told him. Like I stayed away from that. And it wasn't until I was invited to watch the movie Unplanned. And I didn't know what that movie was. I had no idea. So I show up to the movie theater. Crazy, right? So I show up to the... This is how clueless I was. My. So I show up to um, the theater. And um, I was like, oh my goodness. This is like watching my life unfold in front of my eyes. And it was during that movie when I heard the Holy Spirit say, now's the time to share the rest of your story. And... God's fingerprints was all over it because I didn't, at that point, I didn't even realize that I had been taken to George Crawford. Um, Mm. I did not know any of that. All I knew was I wanted to be obedient to what I was asked to do. And so um, I actually called Right to Life, my local Right to Life. This is funny as well. Didn't even know what your guys' organization was about. I'm like, they sound like a great organization. Mm -hmm. And so... um, (laughs) So I said, hey, um, I would like to go and try to stop women from having abortions. Like, do you guys, is there a local abortion clinic? And they're like, yes, we actually have an unlicensed clinic that's opening up. Why don't you come and get trained for sidewalk counseling? I was like, awesome. So I get to the training and the sweet lady, she says, have you ever been to abortion healing? And I I rolled her because at that point I felt so healed. Mm. I thought I was in a good spot. Right. Right? (laughs) Right? I know that feeling, yep. (laughs) And so um, the beautiful thing is God was preparing my heart because um, I couldn't ask others to do something that I wasn't willing to do myself. Yeah. And so I went and it changed my life forever. I had no idea how much that was going to change my life. And then through that process, um, being at the clinic, um, just really felt like the Lord laid it on my heart to um, have a memorial service for post-abortive mothers and fathers. And the night before um, the memorial service is when the story of George broke. Mm. And so that night I just remembered just um, laying in bed and praying and just saying, God, is my baby one of those babies? And um, just God just saying, your baby and all the babies are with me. Why do you think I asked you to tell the rest of your story? So he gave you this peace, this peace that surpasses all understanding (laughs) at a time where those who might not have had faith, they were experiencing deep anguish. The stories that I heard, I've talked to women who had abortions around the time that Klopfer was performing Mm -hmm. them in uh, Indiana. I just, I can't even imagine what that would be like. And Mm -hmm. what a gift that you were given peace in that moment. It was, it was such a gift and it gave me, um, it gave me what I needed to, to walk alongside other women who were not in a good, good um, mindset. Right. And so, um, you know, through that process, I mean, it was so crazy that Um, We had people all around the United States contacting me. There was no way that they were ever taken to Clawford, but that triggered something in their brain that they thought they had been there. 
Interesting. And what what was, uh, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, two quick questions. So first, uh, so we could give a shout out to the place that helped you with your healing. Uh, what was that uh, ministry, if you don't mind? The, um, the ministry that I went through for my healing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I went through our local crisis pregnancy center. Oh, wonderful. Um, called Retta. And okay. we did Forgiven and Set Free. Okay. It was awesome. <laughs> well, there you go. So that's a common program that mm-hmm. a lot of pregnancy resource centers yeah. use. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and then second, so how was it that uh, people found out about you? What what was the the um, the big moment? We'll say uh, the inflection point after yeah. you uh, watched the movie. Uh, so okay. what kind of happened is when um, my story broke and went public, mm-hmm. um, we just started having so many women come to us around the world, and um, it just became clear to us that we. We had a call <laughs> mission yeah. um, because I was, I just remember the first time someone looked at me and said, you've been called to this. And I was like, called to what? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I'm just doing what I do. And um, it just became very clear that that was the mission. This was what God had called us to do. And um, that's how she found his grace was founded. And um, it's just been this beautiful journey. Um, that we're on to just help women. And it sounds like it's growing. It is. Figuring out, you know, that 10 weeks, it's great, but it's not necessarily enough. So good. Uh, That's very exciting. Mm -hmm. And uh, Serena, we would now like to shift the conversation to a more general discussion, just of the state of the abortion debate, the pro-life movement in 2020. Um, But first, to our listeners, I would like to mention that the team at Illinois Right to Life has built a comprehensive database that proves the humanity of the unborn. WhenDoesLifeBegin.org has over 200 citations to scientific, legal, pro-life, and even pro-choice sources and authorities that all affirm that a human's life begins at fertilization. Feel free to visit and share the site broadly. At a time when only 9% of young Democrats know when life begins, it is so important that we raise awareness on the humanity of the unborn. And yeah, so... If you wouldn't mind, it's just you you have such an interesting story, such an interesting set of experiences. You also have very fresh eyes when it comes to the abortion debate or the pro-life movement because you haven't been in it for several decades, right? Um, I would I would love, if, if you wouldn't mind, is, is there something in particular that you spend a lot of time thinking about? Yeah, for us, you know, for us, we just know that there's so many post-abortive men and women yeah. who have just such a powerful voice. And so that's kind of the camp that I'm really in because I just see that they are not finding their voice. And um, so for us, that's really where we focus a lot of our time and our, a lot of our energy. Um, also, just preparing our ladies Um you know, I thought that pro-life was pro-life. That's what I thought. Man, was my eyes opened. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> There's so much happening. <laughs> mm. And so for me, I'm just like, if I can be um, the unity in this whole thing, yeah. it doesn't always work, but I try my best. Um, you know, and it's always so interesting Um, the people I try to work with, sometimes they're on board, sometimes they're not, and that's okay. Like whatever, you know, for me, I will link arms with anybody that is willing to do the work. I have no problems with that. 
Um, so yeah, that's kind of like some things that I see yeah. as like, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've meant to ask you, do you actually offer counseling to men as well? Or is it just a woman only program? So that that's the awesome part. So we've had men come to us and um, literally yesterday I had a meeting and we're going to walk alongside um, a man to get healing. We have a guy that was post-abortive and um, we're going to tag team it with him so that he can help um, this young man find the healing that he needs. So we oh, do that's offer wonderful. that. Yeah. And I mean, when we talk about post-abortive, I mean, I, I, I'm reluctant to talk about it because it's nowhere near the same as if I, I was the man in a relationship where there was an abortion. But I feel like there are so many siblings who are post-abortive, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, grandparents. And I, I know Live Action has uh, put out some articles on this. And I just, uh, I mean, I have that experience myself. And it feels just as real. And, and it just, for some reason, it, there's, you know, mostly been the focus on the women. Now we're broadening out to the men. But, I mean, the other thing is, think about how, how much more powerful those voices would be if they united. Right. When you see a march, what if there was a march of those and you saw the, the girl whose sister never had a chance at life and, and how much regret or guilt they have? I've, I've talked to people who they were the second born or the second created child in a, in a couple's uh, relationship and they feel like, why did I get the chance at life and not my, my older sibling who never had the chance? Right. We see that all the time. And um, the interesting thing, another interesting thing that I've noticed is how many women have multiple abortions. That's another thing that we see all the time. Of, yeah. um, and it's like, okay, so um, getting into the nitty gritty of that, of like, okay, how can we meet this woman? Like she already feels terrible about her first, but then she's having a second. So what's going on here? Right. What, what are we missing? And I think what I've, um, talking to the ladies I talk to that have had multiple abortions, you know, it's that I don't feel worthy enough. And so they keep sitting in that. And so, oh, there's another child. I'll, I'm not worthy, so I'll just abort and not realizing mm. what they keep adding to. That's so interesting. I never mm. thought about that aspect. So I thought you were just speaking in the, in the uh, aspect of, when a, when a woman has the children, that's when it, it gets activated. But no, it could be the very pregnancy. <laughs> right. So actually not addressing that pain is another risk factor yeah. for more abortions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we see that all the time. And even, um, you know, so many of the women have miscarriages after abortion. So really finding that healing space, it is so important because it affects so much of their family and I think so many people don't even recognize that as as the pain point of like okay we better address this issue over here let them know where they can get help for this um because it's going to lead into some other stuff that we don't we don't want mm. and kind of going back to when we were talking about the misdirected energy of pro-lifers let's say so we all mean well. It's a very difficult situation, though. It's obviously very contentious. Uh, anytime you're talking about abortion with a woman who gets almost violent in her words or her actions, it's pretty easy to guess that they yeah. have had an intimate relationship with abortion in some way. Yeah. Now, I, I kind of wonder about the pro-lifers who, in the need to be caring to women, 
they will say, I'm pro-life in all cases except for rape or incest. And I'd love to hear just you share your opinions on that, Serena. Oh, my goodness. So I always, when I hear someone say that, I'm like, that's misplaced compassion. Mm. Um, you are not, you're not seeing the full picture. Right. You're sitting in either in your own trauma and you're like, oh, like that feels bad because I've had sexual abuse in my past or I've had that, but not recognizing um, how much the abortion is going to hurt as well. Um, we're actually seeing this in um, women who have been trafficked. Mm. And um, interesting enough, I've met with some organizations because I thought, well, I'll, I'll transition these ladies over uh, who have been uh, trafficked over to these sex trafficking organizations. Interesting enough, their stance on abortion. And I don't know if people recognize that. And so I've had some really um, deep conversations of like, no, 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 no. We don't take them for abortions. Like that is not going to help their situation. Oh, wow. And kind of the mentality has been, well, we got them out of trafficking. Let's take them for an abortion and we'll deal with that later. And mm. it's like, absolutely not. So that is something that we do need to talk about. And because I'm seeing that in my organization where these ladies are like, I needed healing from being trafficked. I didn't need an abortion on top of it. So I understand this, right? You're saying the trafficking organization, the anti-trafficking organizations that you, you find that they actually see this as almost a further remedy to the trafficking situation. They do. Um, and if there is an organization out there that doesn't have that, that same mindset, please contact me. I'm looking for you <laughs> um, because I, I cannot, I can't transition my ladies uh, wow. to that because I'm like, what are we doing? But if we think about it, organizations who are started by women who have been trafficked, right? They probably have abortion in their past. So we start getting into that if whole. A woman who was trafficked, we, we just know statistically it's a good chance they, yeah. oh, that's so unfortunate. Yeah. But like you said, misplaced compassion. Yeah. And it's sometimes important to understand it that way. Like not, not everybody thinks they're the bad guy. They could be the bad guy without understanding that they're acting that way. So it, it just sounds like we, we have to keep a close watch on our heart that are we, are we really protecting the unborn as we need to? Mm -hmm. You know, is this an instance in which, I, I get it, it sounds more palatable to just say, oh yeah, rape and incest, those are just such extreme examples. But then when you see Rebecca Kissling, how, how do you tell her? How do you tell uh, Ryan Bomberger? How do you tell people right. who were born out of that that they shouldn't have been born? Right, right. And how do you tell a lady who's been through rape um, how do you, do, you just totally not see her pain. You're just seeing like, oh, that's a rapist child. You've totally disregarded her pain and you haven't walked alongside of her. So, um, you know, these ladies need someone that's going to, uh, walk alongside of them. Well, Serena, I have to deeply apologize that we don't have two hours to talk. I'm so enjoying this conversation. I can't wait to continue following you and the work that you're doing because healing for, for the post-abortive, I, I just can't imagine anything more important for these women who are suffering, who mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they are, they are those in a system and they're, they're taught that this is the best way to seek out their best mm -hmm. life. 
and, and it's really just such a false bill of goods and, and these poor women and, and then they, they can't talk about it with certain mm -hmm. people because I, I, sorry, I'm losing my word. It's just such a frustrating <laughs> thing. I, well, my heart goes out to, to you and I'm so glad you're doing yeah. this work now. Well, and the, and the, the awesome part is if we can help them find their healed voice, um, abortion minded women are 85% more likely to choose life if we wow. can help them. So it is so important for these voices to be healed and also that they they can pour into other women. Well, how, how can people find you, Serena? Yes. So if you go to um, shefoundusgrace.org, um, you can find our, find us on our website. I actually have a book on there, She Found Us Grace. Um, you can read the rest of my story. Um, and also find us on Facebook. Join us um, Sunday night for... Um, a testimony of someone that found healing and um, yeah follow our work we would love it fantastic uh, again Serena thank you so much for joining live chat today speaking for myself and the rest of the team at Illinois Right to Life want to thank you for all you're doing to not only help these women but to pave the way for others and so we can all continue this work of you know just helping people heal and preventing others from going uh, through that pain and to our listeners and supporters, if you enjoyed today's conversation, please visit our website, IllinoisRightToLife.org, and consider donating to support this podcast and the other work we do to protect life. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time.